You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Because someone actually asked this question. Our, our series is called Someone Asked. When, if ever, is a Christian free of obligation? And how is obligation linked to freedom? Answer to the short answer to the first question: When is when is a Christian ever free from obligation? Short answer: Always. You don't have to do anything. Okay, nothing. You don't have to do it at all. We do what we do for love, and we choose to do it because we love. Uh, it says in Galatians five thirteen through fourteen, "You, my brothers and sisters, and that's you." I consider you my brothers and sisters, but I'm not Paul. I'm I'm speaking his words. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But, and I think this is where the questioner is, is getting their question, how do we serve one another humbly in love without getting stuck in a draining sense of obligation. I gotta love people all the time? That's the trick, isn't it? The person who asked this question was onto something, weren't they? Obligation and freedom are definitely linked, right? But how? You know that, that feeling when obligation starts to wear on you? I, I think we all do. Uh, like, like when you're driving down Whitehorse Pike at uh, King's Highway, and another athletic team from Audubon is asking you for money. How much change do you actually want, kids? I don't even live in this town. You know this feeling, right? But, but then there's the other side when I'm like, well, I am at a red light, and there is change right here in the door, so why not? Here, take my quarters. But what's up with the difference? Like, sometimes I'm like, I hate them, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, sure, take my money. What is up with that difference? Uh, sometimes I drive by those kids and, I, and, and like I cover my change in the door handle in case they might see that there's money straight down in the window. You know, just like, and you know, I got, got to get the, if I don't have any shades on, I have to look blindly at something over there. Oh, there's something very interesting over there. You know this, right? You know this. But then another time, another time this actually happened. I called to someone. They were like packing up. They were like picking up the cones. And I said, hey, take my dollar. Is it too late to give you money? (laughs) No, he came back over. Uh, You know, pay attention to the motions of your heart. You're different. Stuff happens inside of you. You're you're a roller coaster. All right. If you if you actually pay attention. And it, when I am paying attention, you know, what am I doing? Am I just judging myself? Am I just being good when I, when I, when I, when I wave the dollar? Uh, am I just being bad when I clutch my nickels and dimes? You know, what's going on there? If some, some instinct of self-protection kicks in and, I, and I, 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 I hunker down. I don't think it's as simple as good and bad. There could be really good reasons to not give money to the Audubon field hockey team. I can think of a lot of them. Like, you promised your change to your kid. My kid thinks all change belongs to him, and I don't want to give him other money. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's Oliver's money. Um, or you promised your spouse to keep a really tight budget this month, and sometimes the change that accumulates in the door is, like, enough to buy a hot dog when you really need one. 
you know? Or you're going to you're going to Philadelphia and you have to pay parking and you know that you're going to park on a street that has quarters. And, you know, it adds up if you, you put your money in the machine or you pay on the app. It doesn't feel the same as like quarters. But, you know, the you're spending money elsewhere and every and every every quarter counts if you if you don't and if you don't have that mentality, you could really mess up the agreement you have with your spouse about keeping a tight budget this month because, you know, the nickels are flying out of the place and I'm buying all the hot dogs. That's where all of our money goes. Uh, I love hot dogs. I'm not ashamed. But there are also probably bad reasons to not give the Audubon field hockey team your door change. I'm not giving them my money. Where are their parents? They're not my kids. And what, what do those town pay taxes for anyway? I pay taxes in Hand Township, and it's too much. What do we pay? What, 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 uh, all government is terrible. These kids are terrible. And then I feel terrible when I catch myself right in the middle of my mental tirade, which for whatever reason has landed on hating the captain of the field hockey team because she thinks she's better than me. <laughs> Pay attention to the motion of your mind, kids. Your, your heart, it's a roller coaster, okay? Just accept it. And I think that the world is probably breeding some of those negative feelings in us, right? Constant demand to buy things from people who are crafty and deception and trick us into buying things all the time. I'm always on guard against being duped and simultaneously always getting duped. Why did I buy that? I didn't need a hot dog. Did, did I do all the right research? Do I know everything before I do anything? The successful person is someone who conserves their resources and spends them effectively to get exactly what they want in every situation. And that goes for door change investments too. But, but also from time spent. You know, am I investing my time properly? Am I, am, I, am I putting the energy into the thing that's going to get the result that I want? Am I loving the people who are going to love me back? Everything gets on this evaluation train, and I hate everyone. You know, that happens all the time. I feel like that sometimes. Sometimes I'm just so fed up with everyone that, you know, the field hockey captain or you, I'm just, I, just, I, I don't have anything left for anybody because I'm being sapped from all these different sources. Everything is taking a little piece, and then I feel like I have nothing. And, 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 and rest assured, they are taking from you. They are trying to get you. And so we do have to be on guard all the time, it feels like. So we get this bad case of obligationitis. obligationitis all right? At the, they, they are given flu shots in maple shade yesterday, but they don't have a, a, a vaccine for obligationitis because everything is a demand. And, that, and we can't handle any new demand because we're already demanded upon enough. We're, we're, we often feel completely drained. You know, when you, when you have an ob- obligation-itis, it means you can't say yes to anything or do even what your heart might lead you to do because you don't uh, know what's the right thing to do. Our question could leave us paralyzed or totally burned out. Am I obligated to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I need to protect myself from this? We get stuck in that. And it's very draining. Leaves us, leaves us with very little left of ourselves, as Paul is saying. So how do we get free? How can we make a decision to love if we're already running on empty? Won't everything feel like an obligation if we don't have any resources to spend on making decisions with the Spirit? Because living in the freedom that Paul is talking about in Galatian, it's not just easy street. It's not like I'm free to do whatever. It it takes effort. Being free from obligation does not mean we are free from effort. 
In fact, it's finding joy in the effort of loving that Paul describes as winning the race that we're on. In Galatians 5, Paul's talking about obeying the the Mosaic law, the law that Moses got from God and gave to the Hebrews. And the question is, should new converts to Christianity have to follow all the customs of the Jews? Or they, can they follow Jesus in their own custom? Paul says in Galatians 5, 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Because they want to, they want to follow all the old customs. They, they want to have this new law that, that makes sure that everything is right, that they feel good about every decision because they've, they've put it onto this external thing that can just tell them what to do. Paul is adamant that they are not obligated to the law, but, but to the spirit. His solution to that feeling of guilt that, that comes with obligationitis is to listen to the spirit. And I think that's basic to the answer of our question, too. When is a Christian free from obligation and how are freedom and obligation linked? The, the answer is in finding joy in the effort of loving instead of finding the right cocktail of actions and decisions that make us feel okay. There's no law, no rule, no definitive answer for every situation. We must live by the Spirit. So here's my my suggestion. Very simply, pray about what you're doing, do what feels right, and talk about it with us. That's what we need to do. That's the process. And this is how we listen to the Spirit. You know, I'll say it again. Pray about what you're doing, do what feels right, and talk about it with us. You know, it's not an exact science. We won't be certain most of the time. You won't be able to make a rule about it because the circumstances will change. You will change. Remember that roller coaster that you are? You're going to be different every time. We, we're going to have to trust our, our, our work that we're doing together and trust the Spirit in maybe nearly identical situations. The, the answer might be different. Galatians 5, 25 through 26 says, Listen to the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Since we live by the Spirit. Take that in for just a second. It's an assumption. You, li- you might not think that you live by the Spirit. You might think you're really bad at that. You might be evaluating your connection to the Spirit right now and wonder if you even fit into this conversation. I'm putting the sense on you, y'all. It's you. Since we live by the Spirit, you can't. You, we, we, if that's where you need to stay, just stay there. Forget. Stop talking to me and try to try to actually get with the Spirit right now. But that that's the assumption. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The first and probably most important part of Paul's exhortation here is the we. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. We can't do it alone. And and the Greek verb here for keeping in step helps us out with that because it's like keeping in step like a like a, a bunch of soldiers taking steps together. But if you don't like the uh, that metaphor of like a military thing, how about how about synchronized swimming? Let us swim in step with the Spirit. Same kind of discipline much more beautiful. Uh, we, we, we need to synchronize ourselves with each other and with the Spirit. It, they, go, they go together. It's not just a you and the Spirit thing. It's a us and the Spirit thing. 
which, which kind of takes the pressure off. I wish someone was w- with me in the car when I was trying to decide whether I hated the field hockey captain or not. We do this together. And one way to get down uh, to get down to feeling like you're on empty quicker than anything is to do it alone. We get in step with the spirit. And since the spirit is sometimes hard to discern, and we ourselves are a mystery to ourselves, we need each other to work it out. I need you to see me from the outside and, and ask me, hey, what are you doing? But it's not like, hey, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's more neutral than that. It's, hey, what, what, what actually are you doing? Are you aware of what's happening? I need that. Because from the inside, I'm either not paying attention or I'm doing great most of the time. That's how I'm, that's how I'm, I'm organized. I'm fine, you know? Don't tell me I'm doing wrong. That'll feel bad, you know? Like, uh, you, you might be different. It might be like, oh, man, I, I'm the worst. And you just need someone to tell you all the time. Uh, no, you're, like, totally awesome. Did you see what you just did? Did you see that? I can't believe you just said that. That was amazing. You might need that. We need each other to actually see ourselves for who we are. That's what keeping in step with the spirit together is like. We, we, need, we need people like that in our lives. Because our decisions, they're like 90% invisible uh, to us a lot of the time. I don't know why I protect the change sometimes and why I wave the dollar other times. You know? Uh, we, we need to do this together if we're going to be uh, creating the, the loving community that we say we want to create. If we're going to create the, the, the neighborhood right here of love in which people can enter and know what the life in the spirit is like just by being among us. That's our, that's our plan. That's our idea. And if that's going to happen, we're going to have to do it together, obviously. So keeping in step with the spirit starts with tracking the motions of your mind and heart, and that's a group project. But it can happen together. Uh, like, which part of the roller coaster am I on right now? Am I, am I ready for a loop? This is kind of the internal conversation. Am I about to be upside down? <laughs> you, might, you might get ready, to, and, and you might know when the loop is coming. Like, you might, if you start paying attention to what's going on in your heart and your mind and, and try to make it maybe 75% invisible, you know, and like you actually start, okay, why am I doing this? If you start asking that question, you might, you might get to a point where you know it's, oh, we're going up. Click, 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 click. We're going up. Okay, there's going to be a down. I'm ready for it because I know this is how I work, you know. If you're not paying attention, uh, you're just going to be abused by, the, by yourself, by the roller coaster of your heart, and it's going to beat you up. You might not even have your seatbelt on. Um, so every human being has access to a spiritual awareness. Let's look at this little diagram, Nicole. Everyone has access to a spiritual awareness, there's that ordinary awareness where, you know, like, whatever's happening in my mind, do I hate the cheerleader or not? Oh, it turned a cheerleader. It was the field hockey person before. Um, do it, you know, it, my ordinary awareness, I have this, like, weird thing that's going on in my head. I can get down below that to a kind of a spiritual awareness and say, well, what's actually going on inside of me? And everyone has this experience. Everyone is a spiritual being, and everyone can get down below their kind of the noise that's in their mind. And that's why everyone, everyone, not just Christians, but everyone loves yoga and meditation because it's this human capacity to, to kind of slow it down and get underneath. But it's from that space of spiritual awareness that we can, that the Holy Spirit reaches out to us and we can have a Holy Spirit awareness, a deeper sense 
something that's coming to us from outside of ourselves. We're not just digging down all the way to the bottom. Once we get to the bottom, it's a good place to be met by the other, who is God coming to us and speaking to us. It's in that place of spiritual awareness that we can receive Holy Spirit awareness. And this takes practice, just as much as, you know, synchronized swimming. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a practice to, to, to get still often enough to turn off that frenetic bouncing ball that often is happening at the top. So it says in the next part of uh, this, this passage, um, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. That's, Paul knows that's what's going to happen. You know, it, it's, it's the next part. It's the next warning. If we're going to be doing this together, and we're going to be having an intimate process where we're having like Holy Spirit awareness and we're sharing it with one another, it's going to be uh, difficult. Paul knows that when we try to stay together, it'll be a danger. If we work to have everything in common, even those intimate touches from God that we receive in prayer, then we'll really be in step with the Spirit. But we might be tempted to, like, keep up with all of the super spiritual people, you know? You might, you might, be, te- you might be comparing yourself to them if you've never had an experience. Like, if you couldn't say, oh, I don't know what it means to have an intimate uh, thing from God, that's okay. That's okay. It's not, it's not like it's, you're, you're connected to us. We, everything that, that has been given to one person, you can receive too. We, we actually are together, and what the Spirit gives us is for all of us. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're out of step. If you're with us, you're connected. Don't think too little of yourself. And also those of us who kind of have a, a great spiritual practice, a discipline where we're we, we, we have that experience of receiving from God all the time. Don't think of yourself too highly. Got to check it out. How are we going to actually get the, get the body to, to get moving? You know, we can only go as fast as, as, as we can go together. And also, you're, remember, you're on a roller coaster. You know, and no matter how good you get at hearing from God, that's just that sometimes, you know, oftentimes that's just the, the butterflies on the roller coaster feels good to connect to God, but to do the, the ordinary work of loving and being a body, it's, you know, you got to bring what you've been given to that process and we got to work on it together because as we said at the beginning, this is kind of what we're trying to do when we're working with freedom. You, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The world teaches us that freedom is getting whatever you want. And obviously Jesus leads us in a different direction. It has to do with love. And that's probably our only obligation. But it's also the ticket to our freedom in Christ. If we take ourselves out of the center of every decision and participate in decisions with the Holy Spirit and with the community the weight of each individual choice feels lighter. Saying, I'm not sure what to do. Can you help me? Instead of operating out of an often unexamined sense of should, it's going to feel better. Asking God what you're given to do, what you're given to do, instead of 
living as if you're the only person in the body of Christ, and so every demand falls on you, it's going to feel better to ask God what you're given to do instead of doing it all yourself. What's my role? How do I fit in? Can't do it alone. Trusting someone with your feelings, even your spiritual awareness and your your Holy Spirit awareness, it's a very intimate thing to do. But it'll feel better than being alone in the vast wilderness of your interior life. There's another another way to be lonely if you're just uh, figuring it all out yourself. So pray about what you're doing. Do what feels right. And talk to us about it. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Not creating a new law to oppress us, a new should for every decision, but doing what we've been given to do. And we can only figure that out in community. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.